This is Steve from Restless, the podcast, and this is Press On. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Prophecy in the Bible represents one-third of its content, therefore we should pay it the respect it deserves and to be knowledgeable of it. Today it is accuracy over a period of a few thousand years is 100%. It doesn't get the most liked awards because for many it scares them, interferes with their plans, or seems too fantastical. For some enterprising evangelicals, it's an opportunity for another book or clickbait. I suspect that the efforts of some to prosper off this eschatological bestseller dangerously desensitizes many Christians and church attenders. Other authors genuinely use their skills to try and keep the topic out in front of the distracted. From time to time, I come across Christians and talk to them about the prophetic aspects of the Bible, and often the response is, well, we don't spend much time on that topic because we should just be sharing the gospel and saving the unbelievers. Hmm. Tell that to the prophets of old whom suffered nightmarish fates for being the voices of God to his disobedient people. Isaiah, for example, was killed by being sawn in two by the evil king of Judah. Jeremiah, having escaped death several times previously, was later stoned to death by his people in Egypt. Ezekiel, the great prophet, is said to have died in Babylonia, where the leader of the Israelites exiled him, killed him after being reproved for worshiping of idols. Daniel, the Daniel we know in all of our Sunday school classes, a prophet whom died of natural causes, but during the course of his life, as we well know, had been thrown in a lion's den, but by the hand of God escaped it. Micah is reported to have been killed by Joram of Israel, the son of King Ahab, after Micah rebuked him for Ahab's impiety. Amos was tortured severely. He was then mortally wounded and later died. John the Baptist, the one who paved the way for the Lamb of God, was beheaded. Jesus, God incarnate, who on the Mount of Olives conducts the longest sermon in the Gospels regarding the latter days, was crucified in victory on the third day he rose again. Apostle John, the only disciple to have died of natural causes, was exiled to Patmos where he wrote Revelations. Were the sufferings of all these merely literary filler for the Bible and a great story on Sunday morning? No. Others will make the claim that the Bible is clear that no one knows when the return of Christ will occur. Therefore, they place it on a remote shelf of their minds. This mentality is dangerous, and it's also lazy. Specifically, we see this scripture in Matthew twenty-four thirty-six and Mark chapter 13. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Today in the culture, of media is called a soundbite. We take this one still important line and fail to stitch it together with all the surrounding scripture to capture the totality of the message being communicated to us. Why? Because sound bites often support our excuses or personal conveniences. A rabbi once told me that the Word of God is often inconvenient and annoying because it speaks to hard truths that operate outside of our own personal views on how things ought to be. 
Many take Jesus' statement in this verse as permission to relax and not to concern yourself or myself with the day or hour of his return. Nothing could be more contrary. In fact, it's because you don't know the specific day or hour that you should remain vigilant and ready. The NLT translation of the Bible puts it this way, And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert, found in verses 32 and 33. Day and hour used in the Scripture as references to time is often general. Jesus, however, focuses on a specific event in the future. Because no one knows the day or the hour of his return, Jesus stresses the need to pay attention, stay awake, and be ready at a moment's notice. Multiple times in Mark 13, Jesus calls for vigilant watchfulness. Be on guard, stay alert, verse 33. Watch for his return, verse 34. You too must keep watch, verse 35. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning, verse 36. And watch for him, verse 37. I often hear this from well-meaning Christians. That throughout history, all Christians have experienced persecution, natural disasters, and earthly trials. Jesus was, however, specific when he said, When you see all these things happening, then I stand at the gate. The generality of time of his return is no excuse. There has been no time in history that all these things have occurred at the same time. Technology has made it possible that the world can witness all these things in milliseconds. For those who don't heed this command and are caught in their spiritual underwear, there will be embarrassment on this earth and elsewhere. Jesus said, Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me who keep their clothing ready, so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. That's from Revelation 16 and 1 John 2. While it may seem that keeping one's clothing ready is associated with the physical, we should consider the Apostle Paul who repeatedly uses the phrase, clothe yourselves with Christ, found in Romans and Galatians and Colossians, as a warning to be ready spiritually first and foremost. I have no idea what 2024 will look like, but we must awaken to the reality that we are not the same United States of America of years past. The boxes are not only being checked, but have mostly been checked at the list of events that Jesus declared would occur. For some, this will be a hard statement, while others already know it. As believers, we are not called to be loyal patriots of the United States of America, but to be citizens of the kingdom of God first. The reality is that our government is in a state of decline and is engaged in the corruption of the soul. And the modern church has preached a gospel foreign to the word and work of God. Therefore, we mustn't allow spiritual amnesia induced by the glittering lies of this world to cause us to forget that our hope lies in Christ alone and none other. It's always been that way. Here are the words of the writer of Lamentations. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time, yet I still dare to hope. Jeremiah wrote this in Lamentations 3.18-21. to Jeremiah was a broken-hearted man as he looked over the ruins of Jerusalem. He had tried to warn his people of what was coming, but they wouldn't listen to him. What he saw before him screamed of hopelessness. So what did he do? He did what God calls on all of us to do, to place our hope and trust in the Lord, to rewire 
our thinking by taking every thought captive to displace hopelessness with the eternal rather than the mortal, and the physical to the supernatural, from man to trusting in the Lord. Hear Jeremiah's words after this event occurred. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. He wrote that in Lamentations three twenty-two to 24. Let me ask you this. If what happened to Jeremiah was in your near future, how would you choose to live? Have you clinged to the things of this world so tightly that it would be difficult for you to face that reality? It's time to live as citizens of the kingdom of God and prepare for the eternal. By doing so, we can live as hopeful people freed up to serve the widow, orphan, hungry, and homeless. If you are growing fearful, then hear what the Lord has for you, written by the man who thought he had lost everything, Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Yep, Jeremiah wrote that too in chapter 29, verse 11. If you hear the call of the Lord Jesus on your life, then receive him and let him be the Lord of your life. For he has a waiting for you, a hope and a future. This is Steve, and I urge you to trust in the Lord and to press on. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus.